Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Kathy Fetke. Kathy is the author of the number one bestseller, Retire Rich with Rentals, is a frequent guest on CNN, CBS, CNBC, and more. And she's the host of three podcasts. (laughs) The Real Wealth Show, Real Estate News for Investors, and On the Market. Welcome, Kathy. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Sure. Apparently, I'm very busy with podcasts, (laughs) but I also run Real Wealth with my husband. We're co-founders. He's the CEO now, so I've been able to sort of step back from operations there. We've been helping investors buy one to four units nationwide through our brokerage there. And I've launched Grow Developments, which is our syndication department. We've been doing syndications for 10 years. I was one of the first when money dried up and banks were failing in 2009, we quickly pivoted to syndication. And we have over 66,000 members at Real Wealth and growing. Wow, 66,000. That's tremendous. It's a lot of people and all kinds of people that are sometimes just starting out or experienced investors or people who are just kind of fed up with the stock market, which... It's understandable. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's a good segue. Let's talk about the economy that's on everyone's mind. And, yeah. you know, the Fed is, is is trying to inflict some pain, which they, Jerome Powell has actually said that. And, yeah. you know, obviously we're a bit away from that. But, you know, what are your thoughts on the economy in the next, you know, six, 12 months? <laughs> You know, it is really anyone's guess at this point. It seems like everybody's guessing something a little bit different. So it's really confusing, right? At the end of the day, and this is what I've said before, I had a keynote at the, or I was in a debate at the best ever conference. I don't know if you were there, but, you know, asking this question, what's 2022 going to be like? Is it going to be higher volume or less volume than 2021, which was just a record year, right? An incredible year. And so often, When you're in that frenzy of awesomeness, when everything is just going your way, it's hard to imagine that that can slow down. What slows it down is the manipulation of the Fed. And they made it really clear this year in January or February, when too late, it was too late, it might have even been March, that they were going to raise rates seven times. And I didn't really actually believe it. I knew they'd raise rates. But you know, the last time they did that was 2018. And Trump came in and stopped that train, said, no, 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 you reversed this. I don't know if you remember that, but he fought with the Fed. That doesn't normally happen. And he won and they reversed. But in 2018, when they raised rates, they were kind of at less than where we are now. And it really slowed down the housing market, at least in new homes. So 
here they are now going way beyond what they did in 2018 with the full intention of, again, slowing down the speed of circulation of money. But it's almost like the arsonist, I just heard someone say this, the arsonist now putting on the firefighter garb, you know, because they're the ones who started the fire. They're the ones who put $7 trillion into the economy. This is kind of an interesting little tidbit, but in 2008, and a lot of people like to look at now versus then, and are we in the same kind of bubble? Back then, right before that crash, we had $7 trillion circulating. Today, we have $21, $21 trillion. They increased the money supply by three times. How could that not create inflation, especially in an environment where we really haven't been bringing on new supply? So it's frustrating because we we can't know what's coming because it completely depends on the Federal Reserve and what they decide to do. So you, you got to be prepared. You got to be defensive. That's that's the best thing I could say. It could be a soft landing. They could decide to reverse course. That could happen in November, you know, when when election comes and people say enough is enough or they, you know, we just don't know. So the best way to prepare is to not know and to have everything be based on rates could go up or rates could go down. We just don't know. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. When I saw you at the keynote at a conference in LA, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago and, yeah. and, and, and saw that graph that you put out that, you know, basically during COVID, they added 50% more of the money supply, which is just mind boggling. As, as yeah. you said, three times over the last you know, 10 plus years. So yeah, what did they expect was going to happen? It's, it's <laughs> insanity. Yeah. So it's really not inflation per se. It's not like, things have become more expensive. It's just that there's more dollars chasing the things that are there. It's like the Monopoly game. If you're playing Monopoly and everybody wants the buildings on the table, and then the banker comes in and brings in a couple more boxes of fake money and passes it around, and there's still the same number of apartments on the board, you're going to, yeah, you have more money to pay to get those. Because at the end of the day, it's the hard assets that everybody wants. It's the things that are in short supply, but are in high demand that are going to do well. And right now we know that's housing. We know yeah. that all this is happening when we have a massive generation of, of millennials looking to form households. They're the largest group of this millennial generation, which is already a huge generation, is age 29 to 34, starting households. People were saying they weren't going to behave like other generations. And I don't know what they were talking about. They are getting married. They are having babies. They do have dogs and they want homes. They want a yard and a fence or a nice apartment. In the meantime, if they can't afford that home, they are going to be living in apartments. No matter what you invest in residential, though, there's going to be demand moving forward, at least Absolutely. for the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, depending upon what article you read, we're about 5 million housing units short. Construction, which was on a, on a kind of a record pace, has really halted quite a bit because of of inflation and costs and, and rates and all that. So we're not billing nearly as much as we should be. And population is only growing. People are living longer. So you've got all these different things going on. It's craziness. Yeah, I mean, it's it, here's how I look at it, and I'm sure you do too, is there's so much fear and headlines are terrifying. And all you have to do is type in the word recession and we'll <laughs> sit back. You'll have lots to read because it'll your your entire Google page will be filled with horror stories of upcoming recessions. So of course people are scared and sitting on their money and not sure what to do and watching their, you know, their stock portfolio decline. And, and it's just it's a scary place to be. But when you really look underneath it all and look at the demographics and the demand out there for at least the industry that we're in. 
this is just an incredible opportunity, just an incredible opportunity. As people sit on the sidelines, there are unbelievable deals out there to be made. And if you understand the fundamentals, and for us, that means, you know, looking for where the jobs are, looking for where the demographics are growing, not reducing. I mean, you and I both live in California. I'm not investing here, particularly. I own a home. We have a short-term rental. That's That's been fine. But otherwise, I, I just don't invest here anymore. We used to build homes in California and the regulations were just insane. I think it cost us $120,000 just to get a home started, just, just the dirt, you know, just trying to, just the entitlement process, just insane. But yeah, if you, if you look at the fundamentals, following the jobs, following the population and affordability, that factor is really important too. The average person still needs to be able to afford the average home or else you can have the most wonderful property to put on the rental market. But if no one can afford it, that's not, it's going to work for you, you know, so affordability and then infrastructure growth. And if you can find markets that have those things, then Oh my gosh, what a time to get in because the competition is so much less. I can't even imagine what your world is like trying to buy things today versus a year ago. <laughs> I mean, it's such a different world. Yeah. Well, we we actually hit all those points that you hit in, in on a deal in Tucson we closed last week. You know, broker called me off-market deal, two bucks from a deal we bought last December. We paid more for it. It was less units, not as nice. So we got about a 20-25% discount paid, you know, maybe 2% more in debt. So I I like that arbitrage. And the property two blocks away, we're getting $450 rent bumps because the owner hasn't pushed rents in in many, many years and hasn't, you know, fixed it up. So tremendous opportunity in in a city where it's one of the lowest cost of living cities in, in the nation with strong population growth, strong job growth. So you know, those are the properties we're still looking for. They're few and far between these days. Yeah. But there are opportunities out there. Yeah. Congratulations to you. Now, I don't know, you know, certain areas are are maybe going to feel the pain a little more than others. Yeah, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are on Phoenix or, you know, Boise or Nashville or Seattle. I mean, I know that some of these areas, even San Jose, San Francisco, feeling the pain a little bit more than other areas. But Tucson, where I know you invest, isn't wasn't really on the map. You know, it didn't bubble the way some of these other areas did. And the the parts of the country where we invest, same thing. Like they're kind of off the radar. So I'm I'm really not worried about them. We're in North Texas. I started a single family rental fund in North Texas because we're just getting incredible deals where so many high paid jobs are going. Yeah, the growth in Texas is unbelievable. I, I was just looking at a chart, the recovery of population and jobs from COVID in, in Texas, particularly, I think is like 160% of where it was. So it's just, it's if you invest in the right areas, you could take a punch and thrive, not just survive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's still, you know, that chip manufacturing is being coerced back to the, the US with incentives and there's belief that we'll be the big chip manufacturers moving forward. Things like that, jobs of the future, these areas, as much as the Fed will try to slow things down, there's just a train that is going strong in certain areas that are, you know, again, no sign of slowing down. So I'm curious, are you focused? I know you do a lot of single family, but do you like, you know, built to rent, class A, B, C? Is there is there certain asset classes that you're more excited about now or you're kind of agnostic? Well, we spent the last 10 years in ground-up development in single-family residences, and that was really great until this year. It's, you know, a volatile year to be trying to sell new homes. 
But, you know, fortunately, most of our developments, we, we've already gotten through and, and closed them out. That was a big play over the last decade. We, we did a couple of apartments, just started the single family rental fund simply because the deals were too good to pass. And we have a great team in North Texas. But I do believe that apartments are going to be an incredible opportunity because I think you you and I both know that there were syndicators out there pushing, really, really pushing the numbers. You know, I just don't know how they're going to do and these bridge loans and so forth. So I think that there's going to be some incredible opportunity to either come in and help out those those groups or, you know, buy it back from them. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've gotten a, a few calls from brokers about deals or potential deals where sellers, you know, owners are going to have to sell because the interest rate has gone too high. So yeah. they're not feeling that pain yet, but it's coming. And yeah. we'll see how, how much pain they, they're going to have to endure and, and how much of a buying opportunity. But I'm certainly excited about the potential. Yeah, yeah. I think we all are. <laughs> yep. Well, Kathy, I asked this question of all of our guests. What is your asset management superpower? Oh, asset management superpower. You know, I would say not being one. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure that I've got the the right team who's got the experience to be the asset managers. That's what we specialized in for the last 20 years is really finding those boots on the street teams that really understand their local market really understand, have a you know past history of investing and putting our faith in those asset managers. That's so nice. relationships. And I, I, and I would add your knowledge on the economy is tremendous. As mm-hmm. well. Thank you. I'm a little obsessed <laughs> with it. <laughs> you have to be. You have to yeah. be. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing your knowledge on the economy. Where can people find out more about you and your company? Sure. Well, my syndication company is growdevelopments.com, growdevelopments.com, and then realwealth.com is our main company. And check out one of those podcasts that Kathy is a host of. <laughs> yeah, On the Market is really fun. There's a Bigger Pockets one. And then the Real Estate News podcast, I think people like a lot because it's short, it's seven minutes, and it kind of keeps you updated on what's going on. Awesome. Well, this is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. Thank you. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week. 